Michigas. Michigas. What the fuck is Michigas? Have you ever heard of somebody called Mishugana? Yeah. Michigas. That's craziness. You're Mishugana. You got the Michigas. Oh, I didn't know there was a plural. Oh, well, there is. Or, or uh, And there are diminutives. Go on. So you have the schmuck, and then you have the schmeckle, which is a little schmuck. And a schmuck is a dick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, that's why people are called schmucks is because they're dicks? Yeah. The same thing with a putz. Putz means pig and dick. This is my favorite way to go about learning any language, is just learning all the horrible words first, because at heart, I'm 12. Well, yeah, and I will tell you what. Yiddish curse words are the best. Like, Yiddish insults are absolutely... They're they're short to the point, and they're funny. Mm. Mm. Good stuff. So so you want to hear some real high-on shit that I've got going on right now? Oh, fuck yeah. So, you know those oatmeal cream pies that I, I gave yes, you one of I those do. before we started? Mm-hmm. I have two of them in the freezer. Oh. Do you want to take a guess why? Because they are chewy and crunchy. I also, in the freezer, ice have, cream some, sandwich? have some butter pecan ice cream. Fuck me running. I'm going to make butter pecan ice cream sandwiches with Ooh. oatmeal cream pies. Well, right across from the improv, where I was taking my classes, is a mercado, right? And they had fresh carnitas, and I got two pounds. Oh, shit. And right <laughs> near where I'm walking out, I have a half a pound, or no, I got a pound actually, wrapped up that I was supposed to bring with that camera today. So I have errands to run tomorrow. I'm going to have to run over those carnitas, buddy. Maybe. Oh, because they're delicious. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I, I don't know when we're going to be around, but... We'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we don't need to do this on Mike. Nah, but I, I <laughs> let's also, let's make random plans outside of this. I say, yeah. speaking of food, though, I also made some vichyssoise. It was the fucking business. Yeah, cold French potato leek soup. Mm-hmm. And God it was damn right. It was absolutely seasoned perfectly. It had that nice that nice mid palate hang. Ooh, and then. Uh, I don't particularly like fresh chives. They're fine. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer green onions, so I got some green onion to throw on top of those whenever I get around to uh, actually like eating a bowl of it. Because mm-hmm. it's starting to warm up. Cold soup season, baby. Uh, well, I, I prefer the green onions because they have more of an acid content, have more of a bite, and adds a nice counterpoint to the potato. So. Right. I was thinking about cutting some up and uh, obviously just cutting them real thin. And then taking what was left over and mm. making, like, blending it with a little bit of olive oil, making some scallion oil. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was my plan with all this uh, French what have you. Nice. Yep. We've been, uh, we've been cooking around here. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to start cooking again this week because I have had zero time last week. So. Oh, that's a bummer. <sighs> cooking. It- yeah, man, like, it's one of those things that, like, I kind of hate it, but I also kind of love it, because mm-hmm. I don't meal plan, really. I just go to the store and grab random shit and go, we'll see what I make out of this, huh? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I always mess up, because well, I can't plan or organize or, you know, prioritize shit, but, you know, I get paycheck, and I got to go grocery shopping, mm-hmm. and I've got, and I'm planning the meals as I'm buying all this stuff, Uh huh. and then... 
I throw out half of it because I can't get to it or I forgot what I was going to cook. or. Yeah. And then you make something else and then you remember what you were going to make. And, and you use like, the oh, ingredient. Fuck, I used the red pepper for that. Son yep. of a bitch. <laughs> so what do you, I've been doing the same thing lately because, you know, I, I pass by at a grocery store at home from work. You know, I just stop and pick up whatever I'm going to make that night. Yeah, so, I, uh, uh, I made a very successful uh, seafood soup like stew last Ooh. week just out yeah out of random shit that we had left over from everything i had like half a rutabaga some parsnips fucking threw all that shit in there with mm-hmm. the tomato base with some lemon Ooh. a little bit of uh fresh basil out of the windowsill nice and then uh shrimp and uh chunks of salmon oh that would be great oh dude it was dude the only thing that would make that better is a little bit of like oysters or mussels well yeah i just didn't have those. I this was literally all shit that i just found i know but like i heard all that and i'm like ooh. yeah a couple sprinkles of old bay in there hells yeah just to get the mm, old bay's the fucking best yes it is well, speaking of things by the bay hey everybody welcome to horror vomit where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to my name is chris faff and i am one of your hosts and i am james marino and i'm the other one of your hosts and i must say chris <clears throat> that was an excellent segue it didn't surprise me but but that Bay into that was sublime. Yeah, I, I try real hard. I stumble about fifty percent of the time. But you fucking pegged it today, homie. <clears throat> so James, mm-hmm. we are finishing out our little jaunt that we took down seventies lane mm-hmm. with nineteen seventy three's The Wicker Man. Oh yeah. Uh, written by Anthony Schaefer, directed by Robin Hardy, starring Edward Woodward as Sergeant Howie, Britt Eklund as Willow, and Christopher Lee mm. as Lord Summerisle. Oh, that fucking hair, dude. <laughs> it's out of control. <laughs> Great ooly mooly. That was, oh, every time I saw that hair, I was just like, oh, should be its own character. So I think this is going to be an interesting one, though. Oh, yeah. So. Before we uh, jump right into it, hey James. Mm-hmm. Hey James. Yes, Chris. You foxy lady. Teehee. How'd you like the Wicker Man? The oh, oh I should have obviously mention 1973. This is the original. This is we are OG not going to be talking Wicker about, Man. We are not going to be talking about the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man. I think we have enough here that not we don't need to bees. dip into that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get the bees out. I, I was done. Okay, I'm, I'm done with the bees. So, hey, James. Yes. How'd you like 1973's The Wicker Man? Oh, wow. I will tell you, if I had watched this when we first started doing this, I probably would have kind of half-ass enjoyed it, and I would have complained about the paciness and how long it took and this and that. But because I've been watching them so long, I loved every fucking minute of this goddamn insane, insane, ridiculous fucking beautiful mess i loved it loved it this movie's great it is amazing and there it's not like great for one specific reason like just the total spectrum and it's one of those like it's a pretty serious movie there Mm. are parts that'll make you go and chuckle whatever but it's pretty fucking dark with no violence really yeah relatively little yeah it's incredible, mm. James. It, it, and it, sorry, with all the themes they had and the way they think, it could have been puerile. It could have been just nonsense. Uh huh. But from what I understand, 
I, there's so much written about this movie. And I made them, usually I don't, you know, I'll research, but I, I had some time. And I watched the movie twice, and I read the fuck out of stuff. There is so much written about this movie independently, it's ridiculous. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is the Schaefer guy, the guy who wrote this, yeah, they marketed it with his name over the top. He was a big deal at the time when he was in England in that area. So it, and like, a, was it Anthony Schaefer? Yes. Anthony Schaefer's The Wicker Man is how they did it. It's like Stephen King's It. Yeah. And they marketed it that way. And I I'd had no idea. And he, uh, this was based on a novel and mm-hmm. they did not credit the author of that novel. And neither did we, apparently. Nope. So, but, I mean, from the opening of this film to the very last shot, like, it, it's one of those, I don't want to say like a slow burn. Nope. Because it's a little bit more interesting than like your Oz Perkins films that really creep along. But like, as far as we'll just call this a slow burn for the sake of simplicity, Mm -hmm. man, it's up there. And it's one of like, it's 1973. This is like almost foundations of horror kind of film. Like it. All right, let's get into this. Oh, there's just so much to unpack with this movie, you know, with ephemera and, but let, we'll, let's stick with the movie. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I think a brief synopsis would really help. Mm-hmm. So uh, to anyone who hasn't seen it, The Wicker Man is about Sergeant Howie mm-hmm. shows up to Summer Isle. Yes. In search of a lost, like missing little girl. He's received a letter personally from someone on this island investigating a little girl. He uh, continues to do that while being... Uh, horrendously offended by the customs of the locals. Everything offends this motherfucker. Yep. I wonder, I got a question though. Like, does he have his own stick or does he have a new stick every day to put up his ass? Um, I Or was he born with it? No. I would think it would be retractable. Oh, I mean, like a police baton. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I mean, you don't want to have to be foraging for sticks to cram in your ass every day. That's yeah, like and not really convenient. And how many trees really are left out there? I mean, trees, quite a few. Not as many as there should be. Right. So he might deforest part of uh, Scotland if, you know, stayed there long <laughs> enough. Did you read anything about the trees in this film? Oh, God. Yeah, I read it was cold as fuck. They filmed in like and October, beginning of November, yeah. they had people put ice in their mouths so that they didn't see the breath. Uh-huh. And they had to decorate all the trees because none of the trees were in bloom mm-hmm. whatsoever. And, and think about this. The scene where he's getting the water poured on him and he's butt-ass naked. He's standing out in a fucking cliff in the highlands in fucking end of October. Uh-huh. And so... You, it looks like he's shaking in fear, but he's probably just trying not to get hypo-fucking-thermia. It's just ridiculous. Uh-huh. Oh. All right, so Sergeant Howie shows up, uh, is constantly uh, offended by the customs of the locals, mm-hmm. uh, and it turns out that he was lured there to be a victim in a ritual. Yep. That's perfect. I, I mean, we'll get into more, but that's your broad a broad shot at a barn synopsis. But one of the things that, you know, after we mentioned the synopsis, one of the things I, I, I really thought was cool about this movie is that it's always been in the zeitgeist. It's always been, you know, we are, even I, I think I may have half-assed seen it once drunk a million years ago. 
But I know this movie without having seen it. This has been part of our pop culture for so long. I, I, you know, I've seen parts of it, and I know what the Wicker Man looked like in the whole shot. And I knew how it ended. Yet it somehow managed to surprise and, and just enthrall me at that time, knowing, you know, just from, just from living and the impact this movie has had on society... I still was surprised at the ending about the the depth and the the emotion there. So. Because, and I guess if we're getting into the into it, one of the things that I think is absolutely brilliant about this is it's a cult film, mm-hmm. effectively, it, like it's about cults, but it kind of subverts that a little bit, mm-hmm. or not subverts. I say it, that is the wrong word, but like when we watch the endless, yeah. It's a cult film, and you think you know what's going to happen. Right. And by the, like, we've turned this on, okay, the Wicker Man, we know just from being people, we know what's going to happen. But the steps leading you all the way up to that Mm. are, it's plotted so brilliantly and putting so much emphasis on what an awful fucking person this policeman is who's shown up, Mm -hmm. but he holds the we are led to assume anyway, he holds the same beliefs as a lot of the, the viewer. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, and through my reading, and this was really interesting, when they were screening the movie in the States, church groups got hold of it, you know, to rate it. They loved this movie. They loved this movie. The Catholic League endorsed this movie. To oh, show this, you know, because he quotes Daniel or from Daniel at the end as in his martyrdom and and he's staunch Catholic all the way through. So that guy gave this movie an odd little push mm-hmm. because what what's weird about this and if you think about it, they, they took that and ran with it. This movie doesn't judge either side. Both sides are fucked up in their own ways, right? Yes, that's they what. don't say this is right and the, or this is wrong. They leave absolutely. There's no judgment in there. There's no weighted. Well, what I was getting to, as far as, uh, like, Sergeant Howie, I guess having the same belief structure as most of the viewers, is by making him the aggressor Mm -hmm. and kind of seeming boorish and uh, close-minded. Having the perspective of, we'll call them pagans, Mm -hmm. because, you know, Whatever. whatever. But these pagans who have been nothing but nice and friendly and helpful and are then killing him at the end. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. And to watch this person be absolutely tested in all of his beliefs and start to falter Mm -hmm. almost constantly. And these people, not at all. The people on this Island stick exactly Mm -hmm. to the script. Stick to their beliefs. Well, and don't back down a bit. It's like that. The my favorite, one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. I hope I can get it right. When she pulls him through that cave and up there, it, it was like harder than the last time. Or she she alluded that this was harder than I remembered. I think is what she said. Yeah. And you're like, fuck everything down to this, down to the very end. This last little piece has been beautifully choreographed, but. What I loved is there were, if you're following along, there's still roadblocks on the way. It's like they're constantly tempting him, but were he to lean into that temptation, he would no longer be the viable 
candidate for sacrifice. Exactly. So would it go back to Rowan or would it go to Summerhill? So that's what I think is so fucking brilliant about this is that they're using his, I guess, righteousness Mm -hmm. against him. Every single form of purity that he holds sacred Mm -hmm. is what makes him the prime candidate for his own murder. Mm -hmm. And sticking staunchly to that belief system is absolutely what gets him killed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a fucking brilliant metaphor. And and this is another brilliant part of this whole movie, or I may have just been reading stuff that's not there, but... Okay, remember when... uh, Miss Britt was throwing ass and thumping on the wall and oh yeah, it's oh fant- hell's yeah, fuck yeah, fantastic sequence. She was tossing that ass anyway. Um, and he he eschewed all those advantages, although he was basically dry humping the wall and sweating. Uh huh. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Um, it was as if she wanted him to not be the sacrifice because later in the movie they have a a brief interchange and she looks crestfallen that i wish you had done it you know yeah why didn't you you know like she'd wanted him not to be the sacrifice which was just that little tiny bit again it didn't need to be there but because it was there it made me look for other stuff it's like wow what else did i miss something and that's why i watched it again because i was like i want to fucking see everything because every little tiny detail meant something to me and pulled into something else and i'm like fuck it deserved a second watch yeah. How many times? I don't think I've ever actually specifically watched the movie again, A, out of enjoyment, and B, to make sure I didn't miss a goddamn thing. So that is a super, super um, thumbs up from me. And one of the other things that I really, really loved, and you had sent me a text earlier this week, it says, hey, is The Wicker Man a low-key musical? <laughs> yeah, how about it? Yeah, th- there are song and dance numbers in mm-hmm. this, and Here's the thing, though. They justify it. Mm-hmm. They justify it within the film. When he and Christopher Lee are talking at his manor, mm-hmm. says, yeah, we embrace song and dance and mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. And you're like, oh, you sons of bitches. You tied in a reason that you gave us like four different musical numbers. Mm-hmm. And some of, a, some of the exposition we are given exists only in song. If that song did not exist, they would have had to speak the lines. So, it's it is a it is almost a musical. I wish that had like I'd thought that, but then after I'd done the research, I'm like, oh fuck, that's not that is the most unoriginal kind of half-assed joke I ever made. God damn it! Yeah, but, but I mean, it, it really is. The, the guy who wrote it had never scored a um, scored a movie before. The Italian guy, some Italian guy, did this. It um, never scored a music or never scored a movie before. Threw in all these things. Um, that's why some of the stuff sounds like, uh, you know, like early ABBA where they're singing in English, but it kind of almost makes sense, but doesn't. Uh-huh. If you know some of the old English songs, like Summer Is It Coming In, Loudly Sing, you know that one? If you know the original, you know you know how the words are supposed to sound. Well, these sound kind of almost like they're supposed to be old English, but not quite. Uh-huh. Because the guy's Italian. And I just thought that was fascinating. But they took all that music and said, fuck, this is all good, and threw it in the movie. It was beautiful. And we got to watch an entire room full of people sing to a single man about how they all want to fuck his daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> fucking Maypole song. Oh, Christ. Yep. 
I'm dying. There, there was a girl, and on that girl there was a man, and on I'm that man there was a seed, and on that seed there was a boy, and for that boy there was a man, and for that man there was a grave, and from that grave there was oh, a tree. tree. <laughs> like, I was fucking dying. Uh-huh. But that's what I'm saying is that it goes so far to like just give us this little bit of entertainment value. Because if I'm watching this serious fucking movie where this police officer shows up and is searching for a missing girl, the entire town is acting strangely toward him, mm. and he's finding all these different clues and searching it out, but you're also giving me a musical about how your pole's a big dick? Dude, this is a super, super dark Willy Wonka. It looked like Willy Wonka film. Like, the interior's everything. It looked like Willy Wonka, right? Somebody dies at the end. Well, Willie killed all the kids. Yeah, he sure did. Oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. So if you think about... Turned that girl into a giant blueberry and then squished her. <laughs> It'd be the Willy Wonka Wicker Man. If you thought of Willy Wonka as the Wicker Man and you never saw the kids again, that'd be a fucking bomb-ass movie. See, I don't, I don't want to... Sacrifice for perfect chocolate. Right, but I don't want to, like, mix the streams. Because, I mean, I don't want to dip my Gene Wilder into my Christopher Lee. Oh. Because I don't think those two mix very well because Christopher Lee's just absolutely insane. And Gene Wilder isn't? Yeah, but I mean, different kind of crazy. Gene Wilder's the guy that'll smile at you. Yeah, I don't think Gene Wilder ever stabbed a man in anger. No. <laughs> I don't, except in Young Frankenstein when he popped his leg. But Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's a, Oh, I love that fucking movie. <laughs> I... I I, let's not get started. I will talk for a year about that movie. Werewolf. Their, their wolf. Their castle. Wasn't that on the other side? What, what, why are you talking like that? I don't know. I thought you wanted to. All right, Walk yeah, this we, way. We, we, don't, we don't need to sit and do Young Frankenstein bits. You're right. That's a waste of everyone's time. It's so, true. It's true. That's a different movie. So, James, mm. I have an interesting observation about this film, and I want to see if you agree or not. Hmm. Do tell. So, the reason that they are sacrificing uh, Sergeant Howie is because he is, uh, we'll just say pure, right? Right. He, pure and stupid. Yeah, he holds to all of his Christian Catholic beliefs regardless, which makes him a much better sacrifice to make the crops grow mm -hmm. than a child. So. A certain kind of adult. Yes. So he is a police officer who is missing. So mm -hmm. theoretically, they're going to be caught, right? Maybe. Here's the thing, though. Lost the sea. At the very beginning, there is a thank you to Lord Summerisle for mm -hmm. letting them film and uh, uh, capture part of their... Uh, it was the first found footage movie. Kind of. But <laughs> what that insinuates is that this worked. Mm. Yeah, but I have a couple questions about that. Because it's left up in the air... Whether Lord Summerisle really believes in it or not, or is just going along because he's lived this fucking excellent life on this island. All the... I think that he is a true believer because he talks about how his grandfather who started the island was not. He was mainly just a like a botanist. Mm -hmm. And how he ruled without compassion. And his father is the one who 
taught him about the old gods mm-hmm. and uh, leading a life of love and yada, what have you. But there was another allusion to that. I, I really wish I could remember the exact line. It was a little bit, or no, I'm trying to remember where it came up because I, I listened to, I had, I watched it again and listened to it. And I can't remember the line, but he said something that made it sound like, yes, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I really wish I could remember the line, but. Well, I know. Regardless, it left a, a, a left an opening of doubt. That that extra line left that opening of doubt whether he really was down for it or not, or was just reaping the benefits. Mm. See, I don't. I tend to believe that he is a true believer because I mean, there was really no reference to him being like close to his grandfather and mm. being raised in something like that. Either yeah. you rebel or you are a true believer. So, I mean, if we're just going on what we know about human nature and just kind of imprinting that upon this movie. Mm-hmm. I do think that he is a straight up believer. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll run along this thought line for a little bit. Well, I mean, they wouldn't be doing any of the things that they are doing. They wouldn't be murdering a police officer of all people. If unless he, he was buying time to see if the crops came to next year. Right. But how would killing a, of all people, a police officer buy you time? That would, by you far less time. Mm. If everything was as meticulously planned as this, the sinking of the plane wouldn't be that much of a difference. No plane here. Right, that's fair. <clears throat> and how many little islands are off the coast of Scotland? Right. But what I'm saying is that that opening scroll leads us to believe that that has worked. Because otherwise <clears throat> it would have been like, uh, a film about the notorious Lord Summerisle and not a thank you. But it's also left open because if we think about it, there's no actual supernatural anything in this movie. There's no, you know what I'm saying? There's no presence of, uh, you know, an outside force, right? Well, that's what I was saying is that th- that is pretty much the introduction of the supernatural element right at the beginning is thank you because this clearly has worked. Well, let's say... Again, let's say it was a fluke. We, the, the weather patterns were so off that year, but nobody's ever really paid attention to the weather because it's always been this beautiful soil. One year it was off, and then the next year, the next five, ten years or not, had nothing to do with any of the sacrifices or anything. It just happened to have been that one year a bad crop. I mean, these are all things that ran through my head, too. Right. I see what you're saying. I like my version better, and I'm going to stick with that. No, and, and <laughs> guess what? In about two hours after I, I process it, because it takes me a long time to process <laughs> new information, I'll be like, oh, fuck, I wish I'd have said this, or I wish I'd have said that. It's right. an interesting point, though. I'm like, God damn, something to chew on. So the performances in this film, I, I, <clears throat> fucking, I think they're absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of the, a lot of the people were just people on the island. As- no, that's what I'm saying, and that's what gets me hook, line, and sinker about movies like this is like The Endless, where they really gave us like, these are these people in this cult and they don't seem that fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of the movies with the cults that we'll get to here in a little bit where you're just like, oh, yeah, I know what's going to happen from Jump Street. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, had you never seen or known what the Wicker Man was, would you imagine that this movie ends with a police officer being burned in a giant man on okay. a coastline. Picture this. In 1973, you're at the theaters. No internet buzz. No nothing. 
and this is not this is probably not at your main theater so it's probably ah shit it's thursday night let's go see a movie boom go in there and fucking wicker man's on there can you imagine how much your mind would have been blown at the ending of this movie because the entire way through we are introduced to these townspeople there's the lady who runs the uh like the bakery yeah or the sweet no, shop sweet shop post office yeah the sweet mm-hmm. shop and post may office. morrison yeah and that's the other thing that i really like too before we get off on the characters they made it an actual place yeah like yeah it was private property this guy owned this entire island mm-hmm. but like it has a post office yeah people know they're there it's not like just some weirdos out in the woods and I really loved the like the pastoral quality of all of the the sweets in the shop, like the, the cake that looked like a almost like a corpse. Uh huh. You know, um, the the Easter hares that with the evil eyes, and you know all these, and some of the, you know traditional too, but they were all just somehow grotesque. Mm-hmm. And it, and it was like. They were handmade, but they were handmade by somebody who had had a stroke, it looked like. <laughs> right. And uh, after that, we meet the innkeeper, pretty much. I oh. think the innkeeper bartender. Yes. This dude's a fucking creep. <laughs> well, you know what killed me is that, yeah, I'm glad you schooled me, but when I first saw it, I thought it was this the rat catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. No, cause... I'm talking about the bartender, the innkeeper. Oh, Okay. The, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Britt Eklund's dad. Yeah, who, yeah. Who runs the bar. That, that dude's a fucking creep. It, yeah, and I'm surprised he'd ever been with a woman. Yeah. Well, I mean, that tiny island. Yeah, fair enough. You, you got, he got drunk on a Saturday night once, and well, you know. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, the uh, the caretaker at the cemetery. Oh, that, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, he's the uh, uh, probation officer in uh, Clockwork Orange. Which gives me an entire different set of spilkes. It's yep. not good. <laughs> that guy is creepy most. But I found out the cool thing about that and the physicality, what kind of brought my mind to, with the physicality of him and the rat catcher is they were both they were both dancers and they have a, a very different physicality when they move and it was real similar and it, it just, that's what really fucked with me cuz like it was just this weird fluid snake like creepy just ugh it was, I I had nightmares man shut up let's <laughs> say and uh the school teacher miss rose mhm she is fucking fantastic and the fucking librarian let's say it Actually, the uh, scene where Sergeant Howie goes to uh, the schoolhouse where all, the girls are all singing and they're talking mm-hmm. about the maypole yeah. and it being a phallic symbol. Mm-hmm. That entire scene, I think, between the two of them is so goddamn well acted. And it's one of the first times that we see Sergeant Howie like really be like transgressive. What are you teaching these children? Do they know nothing of Jesus? <laughs> yeah. And he like fuck. storms out and gets mad and like puts a cross in the old cemetery. Mm-hmm. Well, you know it's it's weird. It's we've talked about this a whole bunch of times. The biggest the biggest horror for me in this entire movie, what scared me the most is depictions of zealotry on either side. That scares me more than just about anything. <laughs> I'm scared of tough old dudes. And zealotry. Yep. Because there's nothing you can do about it. No. Except fucking run and hope they don't get you. And that is horrifying. That is singularly horrifying. It's a very human thing. And they depicted it so well that it it, it hit me in a different fear, you know, in a different horror spot. 
Because this is a like there's being scared. There's like scared for your life. This was a dread. It left a hanging dread because of the zealotry. Because of think of I thought about being in between these or, you know, let let's think about the life of the everyday cult member there. Three hundred sixty four days a year. You know, you're singing. You know, you go to the fuck field on Friday night, and you know whatever. Life goes on. It's just every this one day a year you got to do this weird thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's there's zealotry there only when it comes to extremes and it, it and the more extreme it got the more horrified i was that was and it, again it was more of an existential dread than anything else and what i think it's a really really good look at too mm-hmm. is the I, i'm not eloquent enough to eloquent enough to put it better but just the overconfidence of the white christian man mm-hmm. how oh. he is absolutely confident that everyone else is wrong about Mm. everything that he is right he will get to the bottom of this Mm -hmm. and one of the obviously most effective scenes is when he's talking to christopher lee in his manner and you know do they know nothing of jesus and the uh, resurrection Mm -hmm. and says he says to him something along the lines of uh well, yeah, you're Jesus, born of a virgin. Oh, that's right. Uh, Remember, they were talking a... about Parthenogenesis when, after the, the girls were naked by the fire and singing and dancing. He's like, what the fuck is that? Well, we're teaching the science of Parthenogenesis. Yes. Where life comes from nothing. Is it much different from your... And I'm like, fuck, that was yeah. brilliant. Is it much different from your Jesus, born of a virgin, impregnated mm-hmm. by a ghost? And it's coming a, back to life. Yeah. And he tells him, like, some, fuck, I wish I, again, I wish I could remember the line that, uh, yeah, uh, earth shattering, you may want to sit down because earth shattering news is hard on the knees or something mm. like that. Something yes. along those lines. Because you can see the way that uh, Edward Woodward plays it. He is shaken for a second mm-hmm. because you can tell in that moment he's never investigated his own belief. Oh, God, no. For one second. Mm-mm. It's just straight on, this is right, the overconfident white man. And his, act, his acting is either so good or so different that I, it took me a million years. I was like, I fucking know this guy. I fucking know this guy. I fu-. The equalizer. Yeah, he was the equalizer. Right, but... If, if I remember right, based off the strength of his performance in this film. Um, again, it's amazing, but I kept thinking, I was... You ever watch The Prisoner? Patrick McGowan? No. Oh, my fucking God. This had, this gave me all the prisoner feels. And I think the prisoner was before this, but it was a guy um, imprisoned on an island, and everybody was weird. You know, and it will, if you ever get a chance to check it out, you might like it, you might not, but it's fucking cool and weird. But this gave me all these vibes, and there was a point that I fucking forgot. <laughs> well, it just... Uh... Going along with the point of just watching this overly confident oh, yeah, white it. Christian man when they're doing like the May Day festivities mm-hmm. after he knocks out the bartender or the innkeeper and steals his costume mm-hmm. and they have a like a long procession, like a, a celebration parade. Oh, yeah. He is just stepping on his own dick the all Constantly. the way through it, looking around clearly trying to uh, figure out what's going on and what he should be doing. Yeah, and 
Think about the absolute gigantic brass balls on this motherfucker. He's on an island by himself. The only communication he's got is on a fucking plane. Okay? No gun because he's an English Bobby, right? Or a Scott. I don't know what the fuck he is. His accent was all over fucking UK. Right. I'm complaining about accents. I waited till about halfway through. I know. Okay. I was waiting. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's like, I've got the authority of brass. And I'm like, motherfucker, you are alone on an island. You ain't got shit. Somebody farts sideways, you're dead, homie. This is not a good situation, yet you are acting like your word is fucking law. Uh-uh. That's another point that I wanted to get the into. The white Christian <laughs> colonizer mentality, homie. And that is another point that I wanted to get into is the, like, the I guess, fallibility of authority. Mm-hmm. Because he keeps insisting that he has this authority and everybody's telling him, no, you have to go to Lord Summer Isle. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do a single thing. I'll have you in a jail cell by the end of the day. And they just kind of like roll their eyes because mm-hmm. that's what they were pretty much. That's their cue to give him whatever information that he needs to continue this, to keep him there. And the way they parse the information out throughout this paste beautifully, it, they throw just enough. And uh, just enough side eye, just enough smirk, just enough seventy year old men acting like they're twelve. <laughs> yeah. We we know her. No yep. yeah, we don't know her. Never seen her before. <laughs> Not from this island. Nah. Uh, the name well, the name sounds familiar. We've got a Morrison here. But it's not that Morrison. You'll know why she doesn't have a daughter. Go talk to her. <laughs> and they're all smiling and laughing and smirking. I'm like, motherfucker. So n- I'm hooked. I'm hooked just from the, well, actually, I was hooked from the eye on that boat. Did you know that was unintentional? Yeah, it was just something somebody on the island owned. But it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. But just watching the erosion of perceived authority Mm -hmm. from Sergeant Howie is just absolutely gorgeously done to the point where, yeah, he stumble-dicking through this entire parade and there's no way that they don't know. And but you know goddamn well that in his head he is just thinking like, you're doing it, you're doing it, you're, you're fine, you're doing it, you're getting to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. It, and, and, and when they fucking finally called him out and he, he couldn't back down, that was beautiful. He's like, oh, fuck me running. And you could see that just, I'm schmucked right on his face. Uh-huh. The acting on that was wonderful. When they do the... Uh, oh, the, the beheading the, with the swords? Yeah, with the swords. <gasps> yeah, there's a long train, and they take six swords, effectively, like, in the shape of a Star of David, but they slide them together so mm-hmm. that it makes it almost a, like a large retractable blade. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was beautiful. And everybody's got to stand in this circle, and everybody's spared till they throw, a, like, a fake head but on a child. Because the way they filmed it, I was, I was like, fuck, they, they decapitated somebody because it looked like they decapitated somebody. Uh-huh. And he gave himself away immediately by rushing over and trying mm-hmm. to figure out what was going on. Again, while everybody else was like in anticipation just trying to figure out who it was this year. And, and yeah. what was beautiful, he's the fool. But even more than that, just like... Okay, that they were fucking with him then, but for all the times before, he was investigating the puppets fucking. Yep. 
the the little girl in the closet with the strawberry jam falling out onto the floor and then smiling his big ass shit eating grin. Fuck you, ha <laughs> ha, run away. Consistently, consistently, fucking with his beliefs, fucking with him personally, saying, "Hey, you don't know shit. Fuck you, fuck you." And uh, if it's not too redundant to me, ah, uh, fuck you. Yep. He goes through and gets permission to exhume Rowan's body. It reminds me, remember that movie we watched, Why Did You Do This? Because You Let Me. Yeah. <laughs> it had those vibes. I was like, oh, fuck. He's letting them. Absolutely. The entire way through. And he's being a gigantic baby. And he's the biggest cackknacker, dude. <laughs> I mean, every, in, like, and it, and it escalates. You think you couldn't possibly be more of an unsufferable prick and then he steps it up and steps it up and steps it up and i was like man why didn't in reality some one of these one of these cult members would just get so sick and tired of him just fucking cold cock him or something that's it there's a point where they're all pretty much telling him like you just need to go Mm -hmm. like you need to like there's a few of them that i'm sure know about the plan and are uneasy about it, but what are you going to do? And think about this. How many chances did they give him to get the fuck out of there? He could have bolted the first goddamn night. Mm -hmm. He could have just said, "Uh, nothing to see here. Mm, Bye-bye. Been gone. Until he finally ran out of chances to go, and they said, fuck you, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, and it was played brilliantly. And it, on an amazing cliffside scene with Christopher Lee's hair just going nuts in oh, the wind. Oh man, it looked like he had his finger in a socket, homie. <laughs> it was, and, and of course it's Christopher Lee and his voice, but it's also over these whistling cliffs mm-hmm. with just mad scientist hair going everywhere. Yeah, it's giving him the, you know, why are you doing this? Well, because you let us. Mm-hmm. And and this. And this whole time I'm thinking, they are every single man jag of them freezing their nuts off. Their nipples are falling off. I, I, it's got to be fucked up, especially when they poured the water on them. They were pouring the water on them and they were smacking them with shit. And I'm like, oh, dear. I love the bit of symbolism, though, when they did the inverted cross. It looked like they were joking with the nipples and they did one by his belly button. But then when they put it on his forehead, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, symbolism. Yep. And... uh it's, it's very interesting, too, the way that they portray his death because at no point are they almost, like, they're not malicious. Mm-hmm. They're flat out telling him, like, yeah, we're going to provide you with something so very often not seen in this world anymore. A martyr's death. Yeah. You're going to be hailed for saving all of these people. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just trying to remember because I vaguely remember, like, the story of Daniel and the whole shot and it was Daniel's prayer, but... I don't remember. I think I couldn't tell if he was asking God to seek vengeance upon his oppressors, which I believe was the original point of Daniel's prayer, or was he praying for mercy and to be saved? No, I think he was praying. I forgot how this. Anyway, there's a, a point in which he says, uh, "Please do not deliver me into the hands of the enemies." Yeah, and that's what I got to thinking, like. Okay, well, what does this guy have in his closet? Mm-hmm. If he's, he shouldn't be worried about going to hell whatsoever. Right. Like, they've shown him be nothing but righteous, and mm-hmm. all that righteousness is what eventually leads to his downfall. Mm-hmm. But what is he, like, actually worried about? And that, that's what, I mean, there's a lot to this film. 
I will say that if I had to give this um, film one single award, the award would be for the most amount of R's used in the word Christ. Christ! Christ! Oh, Christ! Fucking love that. I want to get that as my ringtone every time my phone rings. Oh, Christ! <laughs> Fucking hilarious, dude. You can pretty much just get any Scottish person saying anything, and it'll make me giggle a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> mm, um, unless they're, unless you realize that they're threatening to kick your ass, then you better run. Yeah, but I mean, there's a, a pretty much any groundskeeper Willie is the best part of the Simpsons absolutely, episode. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, James. Mm, this movie, dude. And we're talking about all this as far as, like, plotting, structure, performance. Like, it's also shot pretty fucking beautifully. Mm-hmm. The panoramic views, the close-ups, the use the use of the village. Uh-huh. Because um, that could have uh, been... Because the village is already picturesque, it is what it is. It's real easy to not take the time to show you. What you're, you know what I'm saying? Not to take the shot, to inhabit the shot, to let you feel like you're there. Because they could have just zip, zap, zoom, and you would have still felt like you're in a Scottish village. But this movie made you feel like you were in the Scottish village. Yeah, and that you were in this town, and you, as the viewer, I mean, with uh, Sergeant Howie effectively being the audience proxy, mm-hmm. where you're learning everything new about this town. And it gets more and more devious as time goes on, but it's they're offsetting that the deviousness of the town with mm-hmm. their like perceived pleasantness. Mm-hmm. It it gets to a point where it's like, well, did they kill this little girl? Like, does this little girl even exist? Uh, are they just fucking with him completely? Oh, they're gonna kill him! Oh, <laughs> all right. And, and what really drew me into this movie, too, is when I was, again, when I was doing wind turbines and I was in millions of little towns all over the United States, there was always a feeling of pleasant contempt. Like, we're going to be pleasant because that is a social contact, but we know you're one of them wind turbine motherfuckers and we don't like you. But if you want to purchase something at our place, we'll sell it to you and we'll smile at you. And every time the see the smile, that's the end of me saying motherfucker. You know, that's and they gave that feeling beautifully. They're like, oh, good thing we're killing because otherwise we'd kill them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like I said, there are small towns like that everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere in the world. I mean, maybe not full of pagans who are sacrificing people so that their apples come in. Or maybe there are. Maybe, but I mean, there's a lot of like weird little towns in America that have like. This odd, dark secret where, you know, the town got together and killed the dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the documentary Roadhouse. Yep. We learned that. Uh, yeah, that's some freaky, weird shit. I had, my mom's from a real small town out in Minnesota. Minnesota. And mm-hmm. um, it's it gets weird. Like, it, it if you stayed in town your whole life. So, so my cousins, they a lot of them stayed in town. I would go to visit. And it's just this weird little nostalgia time capsule with modernity it's it's and it's just odd people steep they they get stuck in their own heads and they can't get past their own thoughts it, it's a real i wouldn't say closed-minded but it's a very small perspective and i'm not used to seeing 
Right, and the other thing that we get with a lot of cult films, too, that really, like, endears me to this is a lot of other cult films, like I said, it's just some, like, weirdos out in the woods. Yeah, these people have a post office. They have buildings. They have electricity. They they have a fucking post office. And and a lot of the other cult movies are a result of brainwashing or complete, you know, change of personality, zealotry, that kind of stuff. This was, there, there were the same people. You know, they were a little bodier, but they were regular people. Yeah. So that added to the that to the strength. menace. Yeah, the menace of the cult. The idea of anybody could be a cult. Anything could be a cult. You don't you could be in a cult and not know it. You know, the whole shot. I was just like my and, mind started spinning. And I guess is it unfair for us to call that a cult then? Because like it's a clear like it's a rigid belief system. Mm-hmm. Like the exists in the world. It just happens to be in a place where that's not predominant. Well, if you know, we've got to talk about things. I mean, unfortunately, I've read a lot about it. Um, a lot of things are culty or cult-like and use cult um, processes. Yes. What when we talk about cults per se, or you know, cults, and what we're talking about is a negative impact. Do the cults harm the members? Or, is it, you know, if a cult is not harming the members and harming society, is it a cult or is it a religion? Is Scientology a cult? Is this a cult? Is that a, you know what I mean? The question is, uh, it's a, we consider it a cult, it's considered a cult and the way we're using it, if it has a negative effect on its members or society because of its members. So is this a cult? Yes, because they're committing a sacrifice. It would have been a religion if, they the people it wasn't a person let's say they sacrifice the goat every christmas well i know a lot of christians that do you know they they sacrifice the lamb and then they roast the lamb for easter you know what i mean so this i would say is a cult because of the negative impact on outside society does that make sense right but this is the first time now that it's had a negative impact so would you then consider 13th century christianity a cult Actually, now I, I skipped a step because no, they were only killing their own members. It causes harm to their own members, but it was a choice of the society. It's never explicitly stated that they've been killing people. This is the first time it seems for them. Because but what about the pictures of the past harvest with the girls in front of them in the harvest thing? I assume those were all just rabbits. The May Queen in front of the harvest. Okay, so the rabbits could have been the sacrifice up until now. They could have not been. It was my... Because Christopher Lee does say that animals will work, but only up to a point. Right. After that... So children have been sacrificed, but it hasn't been every single solitary year. Well, they never explicitly say either that children had been sacrificed. They say that it's an option. They never say that it it worked for a while or Mm. anything. They just say that, yeah, it's an option. They're, uh, they have, like, a strong uh, pull or whatever, but, but again, not see, so much as an adult with blah, 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 blah. But that it's not all- stated, and that's what leaves it up in air, which makes it even more dreadful uh-huh. because it's not stated specifically whether children have been sacrificed, how many children have been sacrificed, or if children have ever been sacrificed. That's fair. So it's left to what we feel about the movie, which makes us better because it makes it a personal movie to everybody who enjoys it. You know what I mean? You watch it, and outside of that, there's so many little things, especially with the cult, the religion, the you know the idea of 
you know, um, loosening morals of sex, these things, you know, these are all accessible to us. And so it makes it even a better movie. Right. And contrasting the, I guess, the harshness of the Catholic religion mm-hmm. with, yeah, we practice sex openly, but people have sex. That's how we procreate. Mm-hmm. We pray to the earth that provides us food. We don't believe that, you know, a singular God in heaven gave us this carrot. Right. We believe that if we appease, blah, blah, blah. And it's all very, it, it's portrayed as being very much more appealing than the Catholic mm-hmm. side of things, which is. Yes I mean, and no. I mean, I, I think they showed enough dark sides of that to offset. So I feel like the movie doesn't lean one way or the other. See, I, I honestly think that they, they go a little hard at the oppressiveness of Catholicism mm-hmm. because I mean, every single thing that it, pretty much that everybody enjoys He's absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Nope. I can't have any part in this. Okay. I mean. Yeah, I can see that. But then with it ending with, you know, this nice community committing a blood sacrifice so that their crops grow. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I'm saying. Which is, pick your poison, pretty much. That's why I'm saying it's not making an actual judgment call. Catholicism, paganism. No, I think it, what it's doing effectively is pointing out that every single belief structure mm-hmm. has uh, some positives, but also very extreme negatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and that's what I like about this movie. It, it, a lot of it's left for me to decide. That's why, like I said, the Catholic group got it because that movie, they watched a different movie than I watched. Right, but it's also not so vague as to where you're like, well, I guess I'll just fill in the fucking blanks for you, movie. No, absolutely. It, 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 it straddled lines. It gave us the information we needed. It let us infer everything else. And it knew that with all that stuff they threw, whatever we inferred would make it a good movie for us. So I, I guess we could probably say this now. James, there's a reason that I wanted to end all of this with The Wicker Man. I kind of got a feeling. Because next week, we are going to be talking about a film that I have been kind of railing against since we've started this entire mm-hmm. podcast endeavor. We're going to be watching Midsummer, mm-hmm. And I wanted to absolutely do the original 1973 Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. Because I think it'll be a, a good way to compare and contrast uh, the language of cinema. Mm-hmm. As it has uh, developed throughout the years, and see, this is this is a great time to do it because I feel like I now have enough knowledge of what we're doing and how we're doing it to be able to actually do some productive with that instead of going, "Oh, that was cool." Right, that and wasn't I mean, cool. We're going in. I've, I've railed against Midsummer quite a bit, but I am interested to hear your take because a lot of people love it. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely love it, and it has been called Nightmare Fuel before, which I... We'll get to it right, next well, the, week. <laughs> I made, because I was doing a lot of research into this particular film, the comparisons between Midsummer and this were plenty, and you could see posit- both positive and negative. People loved it, said, this is why it's great, and people hated it, said, well, it's rip-off of this, this, and this, and indicative. But anytime it got near a spoil, I stopped... I was like, oh, no. So I'm really excited to see this with this 
in my you know this and a whole bunch of idea of film tropes for horror these types of things because now i've seen i've seen the progression of how horror has evolved over we've watched what from the 1930s yep all the way up to now Mm -hmm. and i got to see a little little snapshots of everything we haven't done anything we haven't done any 50s horror have we uh, I don't think. Oh, we did. No, that was sixties. Psycho was sixties. Yeah, Psycho was sixties. Um, I don't think we done. Or we haven't done one. I, I'm sure there is one in there somewhere. Mm. We, we might have to fix that if we haven't. Yeah, we absolutely will have to. But uh, uh, James, any final thoughts regarding? <sighs> The 1973's Wicker Man. Uh, I, I guess I will go first. We could Just, do it. I swear to God, we could do a two-parter with the amount of shit coming around in this movie in my fucking head. I was like, but we didn't do this, 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 and this. Well, that's why I asked you if yeah. you had any final thoughts. Oh, I loved every single solitary side actor. Um, My favorite piece of trivia for this movie was they had a a voice um, voiceover for Britt Eklund. Right, the she's woman, very Swedish. Yeah, so the woman who did that has an amazing singing voice. Yet when Britt Eklund was singing, they got a whole different singer for that. So that's second. Um, then they had the body double. Yep, because she was super duper pregnant. <laughs> they say that, but Britt Eklund claimed that she wasn't really that show, and they didn't ask her or something. She claims it wasn't what they said. Right. Because she was trying not to say, I wasn't, I wasn't showing, fuck you. I was skinny as a real, you know. But there, there are conflicting reports. But yeah, that's, that's the long and the short of it. I, I'm pretty sure that Brick Eklund wasn't going to throw ass on a movie. Yeah. She don't mind being shot nude, but she wasn't about to do that dance. <laughs> Good God, no. Oh, man. I bet you there's a lot of VCR stoppage on that one. Yeah, the tape's pretty worn out in that spot in the old... <laughs> uh, local video store mm-hmm. and i just i there was the scene where i love the scene too where he's walking and opens the door and there's that lady just butt ass naked sitting in this tiny little pot this little little wash tub and just kind of smiling at him sucking her thumb i'm like that is disturbing yeah, yeah what the fuck is happening i'm here? like you know for, first i'm like dude ew ew just just take that thumb out of your mouth and put some clothes on what's wrong with you <laughs> there's there all these little things and, and again i loved that parade because um you know what that all reminded me of you ever see pictures of, like bohemian grove or all all the weird shit oh, with the boy. president those fucking masks dude the they ma- burn moloch <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they burn moloch. but also the masks those like old old new masks that are just off yep and that reminds me of the same pictures that you see of that and i'm just like Oh, creepy. I say, um, uh, uh, I lost it. That's right. We were talking about Bohemian Grove. No, oh. it wasn't Bohemian oh. Grove. Um, the, the side characters, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the sword boys. <laughs> no, the, uh, I, I will, the innkeeper, the oh. PO from, uh, clockwork orange. Oh God. Yeah. Just the little touches in this film. He's like, What's that hanging from that tree? Is that skin? And he's like, well, of course it is. Those are belly button skin. Yeah, <laughs> like, a, come on. Hanging from a tree? He's like, yeah, where else would we put it? Hello? 
<laughs> like, I, I love that, yeah, everybody talks to him like he's a total asshole. And to me, movies. that didn't seem too weird, because I know people who've got the belly button and hanger offer from their kid. Right, but, I mean, I just love that everybody treats him like such an asshole in this film. Dude, you're a fucking knucklehead. Of course we're hanging this up. What's wrong with you? What, what are you going to do? Um, let a doctor take it away? You fucking weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> What are, what are we going to do, not teach these 12-year-old girls what a dick is? Like Come They're, they're going to need to know in a little bit. <laughs> you don't want to be surprised by one, do you? We got an island to run here, buddy. Mm-hmm. And that fucking field ain't going to supply itself, buddy. <laughs> Dude. Need, need new hands to put apples in them boxes. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, Howie, uh, if you're not going to fuck, why did you show up here? Yep. <laughs> Dude, this is the fucking field. If you show up. You're going to fuck. What, what's going on? What is wander, wrong with you? Wandering through a sea of people just banging in a field. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Or what are, Man, the, the amount of tick bites going on in that scene. Can you imagine that poor lady that had to dry hump the grave? Oh, man. I'm like, I get it. That is that is a very, um, that, that, a very evocative scene. It sure is. But I'm like, oh, man, no, that can't be good. It's cold out, and I, I hope you got something on because you're rubbing up on the grave. No. When he's getting all pissy walking through the cemetery, and there's just the ladies there, like, feeding a baby, holding an egg. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, no, you know, you make sure she stays fertile for next time. Exactly. Like you do. Hello. Just sitting in a cemetery. And when he was so out of pocket when they were doing that shit in the church. It was deconsecrated. We're not fucking with you. It was never used for, you know, and fuck yeah. you. The priest came and uh, we killed him. So uh, it was never consecrated. So we do what the fuck we want. And he's all out of pocket, dude. I loved it. Yep. He's it's just consecrated ground. She's like, well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> mm, no. Let me give you a little history of our island here, fuck face. <laughs> I loved it when he was in the library, dude. And he's just frantically reading just fuck oh god that's gonna... the one part like why did they have that book there <laughs> so you know just expo dump dude well yeah i understand <laughs> narratively why it's there but why would that library have that book you know just in case anybody really didn't know what's going on get to and i love his shit. response is just like ah pagans <laughs> oh no oh christ <laughs> oh, oh christ <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be saying that randomly at work, confusing the shit out of my coworkers. Oh, all right. Well, we should bring us in for a landing. James, would you recommend 1973's Wicker Man? Fuck no. This movie was... Yeah, of course I will. Yeah. It's, a, it's a real hunk of shit. Yeah, I, I've, said, I've said nothing positive about this goddamn movie for, what, the last 45 minutes, for fuck's but, sake. But to be fair, there are plenty of movies that we have said, like, oh, I loved it. It's a real hunk of shit, but I loved it. And usually we say objective. Objectively, it's a shitty movie. Objectively, this no, is not a this shitty is a movie. Fantastic film. It's one of the building blocks of horror. Like mm-hmm. this is kind of where, like, the cult. Uh, not where it came from, yeah. but like how to do it correctly. I think it's past cult status at this point. Well, I mean, the idea of cults in film. Oh, okay. I thought you meant a cult film because I think for the longest time. You know, it was a VCR treasure. If you got one, hey, 
everybody. I got fucking Wicker Man. We're going to watch Wicker Man, you know? Well, I mean, that may have been your experience. Yeah. My experience, I saw the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man long before. Ah. And, I mean, that's been meme to death through the years. Yeah. So. And I've for, never seen the yeah, Nicolas Cage Wicker Man. For the longest time, it was, like, when I found out, like, wait a minute, the Wicker Man's a remake? I thought somebody just made some weird-ass movie with Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Dude. Uh, uh, the, one last thing though when when the wicker man when i'd forgotten that they had the animals in it too <laughs> and i'm sitting there going i wasn't worried about how it's for that fucking goat and the chickens i'm like dude th- that's real smoke going up there they they claim there no animals were harmed which i'm glad to hear because i was fucking i'm like dude no 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 they are straight up burning a dude and a goat <laughs> and it fucking looked amazing again the power of knowing how this motherfucking movie ends and still being that affected. Uh-huh. It disarms you completely. This movie, for me, can do no wrong. No, it's it's not perfect, but man, this is one of like the better classic films mm-hmm. out there. As far as like how it's filmed, the writing, not only in the dialogue, but the story writing, it everything comes together in a way that like this is a classic for a fucking reason. And the fact that it got put out is absolutely amazing because there was so much fuckery. They sold the studio to somebody else and nobody wanted to, well, fucking that's their shit. And we don't want it. We got our shit. Fuck theirs. You know, it was that internecine bullshit and all that stuff was happening. So the fact that it came out the way we saw it. And the other thing too, is it was truncated. The cut, the original theatrical cut, we got a longer version. There, there was even more that was cut out of it that was part of this movie too. But um, because they had sent it to, I want to say Corman, because they were they were, they sent it to Corman for some reason. He was going to edit a cut or do something for him, and never he had the cut, and eventually got back, which is why we have the the version that we have now. Yeah. So we were lucky enough to have this. Yeah, because it's a brisk. It's less than ninety minutes, mm-hmm. I believe. And if the other, the, hopefully they'll come up with some more of that film some year. Probably never, but no. But they they talked about uh, some of the scenes that they'd cut were supposed to be amazing. Yeah, I believe it was a lot of uh, Christopher Lee that they cut out, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. because I it wasn't like they wanted to make him more because they clearly show him, but make him more of like a shadowy figure who yeah. says a little less. Yeah. Because, you know, Christopher Lee is very distracting. When he's on screen, it's all yeah. eyes on Christopher Lee, and, especially and, with that wild-ass hair that he's got going. And apart from some, <laughs> of, apart from some of the other actors, there weren't, like, Britt Eklund at that time had not acted long. No, she was a model. Right. So if you have that level of acting talent, you have to have a, a low. So as soon as Christopher Lee even walks on to that set, Nothing else exists, so that's probably why they cut it, because the, the level wasn't up to him. He, he can't help it. He's Christopher motherfucking Lee. Yeah. You know, he can't tone it down. That's as toned down as he fucking gets. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry I'm not moving. Everybody is looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you're Christopher fucking Lee. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure you hide the knives. And don't piss them off. Don't make direct eye contact. Everything's cool. Also, uh, I believe, se- uh, not the second, uh, one of two films that Christopher Lee and Britt Eklund were in together. Oh, what was the other one? I forget. Oh, Scaramanga. Man with the Golden Gun. 
and his third motherfucking nipple. Dude, that's how that movie opens, and it's the best. When you're like, man, a James Bond movie just started with like a funhouse shooting, and now Christopher Lee has a third nipple. Mm. What the fuck? I loved it. This is one of the most iconic franchises of all time. This is what Daniel Craig took over for. Mm. Was this weird bullshit? But as far as I'm concerned, the Roger Moore Bond does not exist except for two movies. Oh, oh, we're, I'm gonna strongly disagree with you. Mm. Heatedly. Now, are you saying as far as like them being good films or them being entertaining films? I will, I will say that they were entertaining as fuck. Okay. Moonraker is bananas, and it's the best. I saw Moonraker at the theater, and I loved it because I was. 11 years old. Okay. I've watched every Bond movie. I've, as they come out, no matter who's in them, it's Bond. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, as far as rewatching, I'll rewatch that one with Roger Moore. What's the one live and let die. We're on a fucking voodoo Island. Yep. And, um, the, the first one he was in, those are the only ones I'll watch. Uh, you, what about A View to a Kill? The nope. one with Walken? Nope. With that banging-ass Duran Duran song Dude, at the beginning? it was cool as fuck, but it was goddamn James Bond, and he walks like I do now. I, I got, it takes me a minute to stand up. Where, where he does X Games and then gets into the submarine and he looks like a mummy mm-hmm. with bright blue eyes because it's Roger Moore. That's not James fucking Bond. And tells a woman just immediately like, oh, it's seven days to Alaska, like, Oh, he just fl- straight up told her, like, yeah, I'm going to fuck you for, like, a week straight. Look, I watched the Lazenby film three times before I watch <laughs> any of the other goddamn Moore films. That's how I feel about no, it. No, Vita kills the best, though. Because okay. they're trying to explain computer chips and the old white man in the British intelligence is like, yes, yes, we all know what computer chips are. Like, no, you, no, you don't. don't. <laughs> you absolutely don't. Do and you have any computer chip dip? <laughs> and then it turns into 40 minutes of horse intrigue. It's the best. For, for sure, what the fuck? Yeah, I give it to you. But I got... Grace Jones is in there. Okay, I, I take back everything I said. The goddess is in it. Ah, uh, fucking watch it. Yeah, Grace Jones is in there. And, um... Ah, uh, shit. Grace uh, Jones was my high school crush, homie. And, uh... Uh, Donna's mom from that 70s show. Yep. I forget her fucking name. Deborah Jo Rupp? No. The mom from that 70s show. Donna's mom. Oh, Donna's mom, yes. Um, Blonde fuck lady. Fuck, yeah, I know. She's uh, she's in Tourist Trap I want to well. say Tanya Roberts. But yes, yes, it, Tanya Roberts. Tanya Roberts. I was fucking right. Yeah, in View to a Kill, too. Holy yes. shit. I used it up on this. God damn it. <laughs> I just looked at the time, Sam. Hey, James, where can people find us? They can find us on horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on Instagram. We got a Facebook page. Um, oh, and uh, we are on all the podcatchers. You can please give us all of the stars. Five stars and five words. Five words is the magic number. And I think yeah, I forgot something. For a written review know. on Apple Podcasts. That was beautiful, yes. And you were supposed to give shout-outs to somebody as well. Ah, yes. A shout-out to the Mighty Masons. Uh, Joe Mason, my blue-butted buddy from a long time ago. Long story. And his fashionable wife. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and his fashionable wife. Have you saw oh, a, a real lady about town. This woman has the coolest fucking shoes 
ever. Oh man, that that is a real compliment coming from you. Mm-hmm. Because I know you are a man who enjoys his shoes. I love me some shoes. Hey, you know what we haven't done in a while? What's that? You know what we haven't ended the show on in a while? What's that? Hey, fuck you, Morris. Fuck you, Morris. I, I don't know. Morris probably has no idea that we do this to him. I, I wonder what Morris is doing at this point. It, it's been a very long time since we told Morris to go fuck himself. And but. made fun of French Canada in general. Uh, I got nothing against French Canadians, really. Who cares? I don't know any, really. Except for, I, I don't even know Morris, but fuck him either way. <laughs> so, uh, on that, we should be done, James. Yeah, good night. We've run we, very, very long. Push the button, do the I, thing. I will push the button when I am good and goddamn ready. Now. How dare you push it. You would be terrified.